Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Race, gender, equity, social justice, these are conversations that are happening all the time right now. They're happening all around us. And in coaching spaces, we as coaches have to be ready to listen and engage in these conversations in thoughtful ways. That is one of the topics we get into in today's podcast with Coach Don Day. Don Day is the Director of Strength and Conditioning for Olympic Sports at Georgia Southern. Before Georgia Southern, he was at Buffalo, Western Kentucky, American University, Robert Morris University, and the University of Akron. At Akron, that's where he got his master's degree in sports science and coaching while doing a graduate assistantship with the football strength staff. So in short, he's been all over, he's done a ton of stuff, and now he's the head guy at Georgia Southern. Don is an expert practitioner, an elite coach, and just a a fantastic human being. We learned a lot from him. We are excited to bring you our conversation with him. And we think everyone has a lot to learn potentially from listening and engaging with this. Now, as always, we hope you share the podcast, subscribe, and leave us a note. We really do want to hear what you think. So without further ado, today's podcast with Coach Don Day. All views and opinions shared on this uh, from me are my own and no one else's. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I like it. All right. This is my first rights amendment infringement. Here we go. There it um, is. When it comes to like stress, the way I look at stress, right? So I think everyone has a certain amount of stress that they need to manage like their daily life. Like stress is even in our, uh, uh, our I guess, prehistoric days, it, it, helped, it was good, right? It would tell you like, oh, danger's here, or oh, this is whatever it might be, or this is how I alleviate my stress, this is how I cope with my stress. So, or the the stress of not eating, right? And feeling that not not being fed. So how do I how do I manage that? How do I feed myself? How do I avoid getting killed by like a tiger or something, right? I don't, I don't know, I'm just assuming there were tigers everywhere back then. Everywhere. But uh, <laughs> so I think there's a certain amount of stress everyone needs to live and I think everyone's stress is different. Like for me, uh, I, I I have, I guess, like a, a high stress threshold. Like I am just stressed all the time. But I don't really think about now if I die before 50, then I'll tell you, you can come back and say, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe his stress <laughs> level was need to be mitigated a little bit. Sure. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that it, it's a good indicator of like how you move in life, I guess, would, is what I'm trying to say. So. For me, you have to get to know your athlete and kind of figure out, like, what are their patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And then once you know their patterns, you can say, okay, they're, they've overfilled their cup. Like, this, there's too much stress. They're not mitigating or regulating their stress how they normally do. Or it's not good stress, right? I think there is good stress. Like, for me, uh, the stress of having to lead my staff, having to be a leader for the athletes, having to uh, manage uh, – uh, I'd say opposite opinions on who I am as a person, right? That kind of stuff, that kind of stuff motivates me, right? Mm-hmm. Some people might get buried by it. For me, it motivates me, right? And there aren't days that it isn't hard, but it still motivates me. So I think that's kind of my, my flushing, right? So I'm str- I get this stress from having to be a leader, or having to deal with certain issues, but then I flush it and it turns into motivation. So but that's kind of my pattern. So I, I really get to learn my athlete's pattern and you can only do that. I'm not 
saying at, at day one, new athlete, I'm 100% on, right? I don't know them 100%. That takes time. Usually with freshmen, uh, it takes about a semester for me getting to know them. Right now it's taking a little longer, but I, I just have to be more intentional in how I do it. I just have to change the way of how I go about getting to know them. But the longer you're with someone, the, the easier it is to know them and learn their patterns, right? Mm -hmm. At least in the, the your dealings with them. Like even my older guys, uh, some I don't know is, uh, everything about them, but I know in my dealings with them, this is usually what I see, right? So when I start to see things that are outside of what they usually do in that setting with me, I know their cup is runneth over, you know? Mm. So mm. Uh, that's when you start talking to them and you start trying to, to mitigate that stress, trying to guide them to finding out that there is something going on and how they can mitigate the stress. I'm not talking from a, a, a mental health standpoint. It's not always that big. Sometimes it can be, coach, this test is really like, it's really getting at me, right? Yeah. And that's as easy as saying, listen, Bo, I failed out of college freshman semester. I'm getting my doctorate now. Your test, like you, you, you can do it. You know you're capable of doing it. You're, you know, for some of my baseball guys, damn near 30 by now. But uh, you've made it this far in school. So you, 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 there's no reason, no factual data to assume that you can not move on to the next, uh, next stage of this or you can't pass this test. You passed every test so far. There's mm -hmm. no factual data to say that you can't pass this next test. Uh, and then, you know, when it comes to life issues, those to me are a lot easier than school issues because I suck at school, obviously. But uh, uh, how does someone who's about to go be a doctor say say that? I yeah, I have factual data to back that. Up. <laughs> That's fair. I guess so, we do we do keep records on those things. I guess That's so, true. So from many years of schooling, but uh, uh, so uh, I uh, you know I when it comes to life issues, it's a little easier for me because I've gone through so many different issues in life, most of them my own doing. Uh, yeah. I've messed up in every way you can think of messing up, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's good now because I can give advice not to mess up or how to deal with mess up. So like, let's say it's a, a relationship issue while married. So I can tell them, hey, listen, like this, 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 and that. This woman, you know, very truly, or this man, if it's a female or whatever it might be, I don't want to generalize or sure. you know, But like your significant you're other, whether right. you're female or male, uh, it, it could, this might not be the one, and this might be the reasons why. So there's no reason to stress about this relationship, enjoy it, use it as a learning block. And hopefully if it is the one you keep learning together, if it's not the one, now you have the tools for the next one, or it could be a parental issue where it's something, uh, as simple as listen, uh, I hate to tell you this, but your parents are always right. You're not always right. You could have a kid right now. You'd be a parent. You still not always be right. Mm -hmm. So kind of, listen to them from the wisdom but also let's dig through what you know to be right and what other people are telling you that you also believe is right and kind of figure it out or uh, you know whatever it might be but when it comes to stress and training specifically i think you got to take that into account i think when it comes to training uh you you i'm not saying you have to auto regulate everything because again there is good stress right mm -hmm. but if the if the stress is running over and you just keep adding to that overflow now you're going into the red where you don't want to be. So kind of take that into to example. And for me, I uh, when it comes to training, I usually every week I change my kids' training max, my athletes' training maxes. So based on what they hit at what percentage, uh, you know. And I again, I know my athletes pretty fairly well. 
uh, get, with the freshmen, I kind of miss on this sometimes, but I will get it right once I learn them more. Uh, sure. It's trial and error with the freshmen. But, okay, you were supposed to hit this at this percentage. You normally smoke it. It was down this week. Let's talk about That's a good indicator of, all right, something's going on. Or it just might be we overshot a little bit or maybe uh, whatever. But I think you do take that stress into account. And, you uh, you know, I usually keep my my uh, my set, my my intensity, I'd say I'm somewhere in the moderate range. Right. So my intensity is usually high, but my reps aren't that high to deal. with. aren't aren't anything where you won't be able to hit it. I don't like to see my athletes fail. So we might be at 85% for doubles, which isn't that much, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Doable, totally. But at, at, at the very least, I know they're going to get a stimulus from hitting that intensity. I'm not really worried about building bodybuilders. I want to build powerful athletes. And mm-hmm. I'd rather see uh, a little bit of uh, speed component to the movement versus the movement being like, okay, we're on the rep six and it's slow and they're just grind. I don't really want to see grinded out reps. I want, you know. Right. I want the intensity to 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 be the 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 course of adaptation, not the the amount of time under tension. I'll get my right. time under tension from my uh, my rep my my accessories and my dynamic effort work. But right. you know, but again, back to stress. I know I'm kind of everywhere with this. That's all right. I uh, I really think that stress is something that you have to be aware of, and the best way to auto regulate or change training uh, and make it safe for the athlete is to uh, get to know them and realize that stress has to be mitigated in some way, shape or form, because it is, it can, too much stress is harmful. If it wasn't, people wouldn't die of old age. That's right. So (laughs) you do, you brought up, I wonder if you recognize just how many good things you brought up in that one little burst. (laughs) Because it's so important. It's so, it's so important. And I, and I think just from, um, I give you a little my background, a little background of the project before we got on. And um, we try to be really particular about language. And I think the two terms um, sort of in society or in the conversation of athletics or education, whatever, that need um, to be parsed out and defined a little better right now, the two most important terms, you mentioned them both briefly. Um, One of them is stress and the other is mental health. Mm -hmm. And I could go on. I mean, this could, we could go, for days on this, but let me tell you what I, and I think I mean about this. You, you mentioned it. You talk about like the evolution of a species. Well, without stress, there's no humans, right? Mm -hmm. Like the way that we define stress, when we, when we say the word stress out loud, I think oftentimes we think about it as like, it's like a four letter word. It's like a, it's a bad thing because when we say it, we think of those moments where we're anxious and overwhelmed. And we have this very specific idea of what stress is uh, when we say it. Well, Anything that throws the body out of homeostasis is a stressor. And the question is uh, essentially like where, so say this is midline, people on the podcast can't see it, but whatever, you get a a flat line across. And and there's another line above. Again, I'm sorry for people who are on the pod or listening (laughs) instead of watching, but whatever. You and me can see, it doesn't matter, right? That's right. (laughs) So you've got, but whatever, you you know, you've got baseline and then you've got your thresh, your stress tolerance level. And really when we started to get into the negative stress, really what that means we found more often than not is you've just gone beyond your stress tolerance. But Mm -hmm. that also think about this, that that means two things. Your stress tolerance surely is adaptable. 
just like, you know, the capacity of your cardiorespiratory system. You know what I mean? Like the, the first time I actually wrote about this, when I first moved from the, uh, from the city of Chicago, like the, you know, when my, my parents did not want me riding my bike past the end of the block to the suburbs, my parents moved us up there to go to high school. We, my first day of football practice, I, they, they had us jog around the backstop, uh, you know, to warm up. Dude, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My stress, my tolerance level for that sort of work just wasn't there. But if you tap on it every once in a while, you can expand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's something I think that belongs in the conversation of stress because you, you talked about types of stressors, like the stress that it takes to stand up in front of a group and lead. That's a real stressor. But it might also make you a better leader, a better speaker. It's something that as long as you don't go too far beyond it, uh, it can make you grow as a, as a person. Stress is necessary. Um, you know, everything, we're both in strength and conditioning. If you don't stress a muscle fiber, what the heck? Like, nothing's going to ever nothing's happen. Nothing's happening. Nothing's yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. And no, then I, I agree and, with you 110%. And, 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 and it's our relationship to it that matters. Like, what do we think of when we think of stress? And then we won't go down this road fully, but, uh, you know, um, you mentioned mental health and that's, uh, we actually have an initiative within the project called team embrace, which is, uh, all about embracing the conversation of mental health in athletics. This is a team. We're all under some kind of stress. We're all going through this stuff together. Uh, let's embrace the conversation and just have it. But the, the, one of the things that we try to do, um, is recognize this sort of spectrum of mental health. Like, a mental health concern could be, man, you had a tough freaking day. Like that was a tough day. You know what I mean? That's technically, that is a mental health concern. And then obviously on the other end of the spectrum is, you know, severe concerns and traumas and disorders and things like that. So we use that term very broadly when there's like, a, you know, infinite levels of it um, from positive to negative. Anyway, you brought all that up. Um, you said that you handle it well also. Has uh, why do you think I handle that, it okay at times? Handle it okay, that's right. <laughs> um, but you've been exposed to it a lot. So you said you were you played football in college. Maybe take us from there to where you are now, and and how you sort of wrapped your mind around what stress means and, and learned to management. Manage so it. I have been my ultimate experiment in in building my ability to handle stress. Right. So uh, college football is one thing. Right. Uh, uh, we all know how stressful college football can be. Uh, now, on my own accord, having uh, to deal with uh, flunking out of school uh, first semester, and I'm like the the growing up, I was kind of like the leader of my like family. It was me and my two cousins. My granddad obviously was the leader of the family, but I was like the the oldest boy, right? right. And then I go to college, I fell out. So that's kind of stressful because I've always been like the the oldest boy and the do right guy, right? Uh, and then. I, I had a, a uh, girlfriend at the time and it was a very, I mean, we had good times, but it was very toxic most of the time. And uh, uh, the family had, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like there was, it was racist moments, like very racist moments. So like dealing with that, right. Uh, and and where seeing, were you guys dealing with that? Sorry. Uh, when I was in college still. So, gotcha. you know, then you move on, we broke up, whatever, move out of college. Uh, the stress of, of uh you know uh being a a graduate assistant all that stuff still in in akron 
then I move, you know, moving around as a coach, whatever, not really knowing what you're going to do next. And this is things everyone has, but this is building up my capacity. Right. Uh, and then living in, in at one point I was in DC in, 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 you know, I thought Akron like had some rough parts, which it really don't like LeBron over overstates that it's really not that bad. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was driving a Hummer around town at 16. I remember that. So it was never that. I never drove a Hummer around town. It's a so. different definition it's, of tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, the, the – the so I was living in, like, the ghetto of D.C. Like, it was bad. Like, uh, it, I'm talking about training day bad. So, like, I was, like uh, – you know, it was rough or whatever. Like, it was a different environment for me, uh, a little harder environment than I was used to. You know, I thought one thing, but then build the capacity up, right? I got tapped on that capacity. And then uh, moving to Buffalo, uh, my boss essentially leaving uh, uh, five months in, me taking over the head spot at, I think I was 26 at the time. Uh, hmm. Well, I was at Kentucky, then Buffalo, became the head guy at Buffalo. And then, uh, you know, I didn't handle being a head guy well as far as kind of stepping up to the plate, I would say. Uh, and knowing how to be more of a politician and political and things, I was yeah. more more of a, just a kid from Akron that got the head that was that earned the head job, but really didn't know didn't have any guidance in how to be a head guy. You didn't know how to be a head guy at that age. No, no, I was an arrogant little prick. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then going to Georgia, uh, completely different, living in the South, uh, and then uh, I like it honestly, but. Uh, it's very more peaceful in some parts. Uh, right. Some parts of my life have gotten more peaceful. But, uh, you know, marriage, all that stuff, uh, whatever on top of that. And then uh, dealing with situations I had to deal with my first year uh, down here. And then uh, from a work aspect, that was very stressful and that was uh, very challenging. And then now I think it's been, if the temperature gauge was 100, the temperature gauge from a work standpoint is more of a, a 50 and I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm mm. like living life. Now there are still stressors that I bring upon myself from uh, being who I am and being uh, about what I'm about and being such an active, you put yourself out there, things are going to happen, right? You're going to face opposition, but well, you, I, you gotta, you gotta expand on that. Who, who are you and what are you about? <laughs> so there's two versions, I guess I'll give you. Right. There's the version. Uh, uh, I guess uh, I'm a I'm a radical communist uh, from what I've been told, whatever, cult leader, uh, <laughs> follower of the Black Panthers. Uh, but what I like to think of myself as is I'm just a guy trying to be a dude. I'm just trying to do what's right and lead these athletes and lead the people the best way I know, lead my staff that have, uh, uh, that, have, you know, came down here to be around me and to, to have shown their faith in me. Uh, I'm trying to empower everyone around me. I'm trying to, to not, you know, a big thing that uh, a coach had talked to me the other day and they were like, Hey, you said you were going to do something and you did it. So a big thing for me is I heard an athlete one time, she came to shadow us when we, I was still at football uh, and she, had, uh, it was a black female athlete. And she said, uh, uh, Nicole Franks, who is actually my intern right now and my roommate, but uh, she had said, uh, you know, I won't be a strength coach because all I've seen is, you know, white males. Uh, and I've never seen any, any like, you know, that's all, all I've been coached by in strength and conditioning. And that like had hit me so hard. I was like, well, I'm going to make sure like when I have a staff again, 
it's going to be like the United Nations. And it's not going to be United Nations just to check a box. Like I'm going to empower and, 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 and guide everyone that's around me. So like the other day I was explaining to, I forget which, Oh, the rifle team, uh, you know, we were talking about how my seven staff members, including myself, four of, of them are females. And I said, guys, I don't do that just to check a box. I said, when you, I was giving them advice, go somewhere where it's not just to check a box. I use my staff as an example. If I had four females that all they did was, uh, you know, work with female teams, didn't ever do anything besides like uh, nutrition or like stereotypical female things, then that's not empowering and that's not a good model for any of my mm-hmm. female athletes. What I right. want is powerful women that are being empowered so that my, my female athletes can see this is where I'm, this is what kind of uh, place I'm supposed to work at when I'm mm-hmm. looking for jobs in the future. And this is how it's supposed to be. And I told them uh, jokingly, but not jokingly, the females on my staff pretty much run me. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> you are as powerful as you want to be. And yeah. I said, maybe I'm, 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 you know, my wife is awesome, but she's a Northern woman. So when she says something like it gets done, you know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. very strong, very strong. She's from uh, uh, Parma, Ohio in Cleveland. Uh, so she, she's as tough as I am, probably tougher than me. So when, when she's mad, I know she's mad and she's Italian yeah. too. So <laughs> yeah, when, <laughs> when, when, when she cracks the whip, the whip cracks hard boys. So I'm yeah. used to it. So like, but it, it's, it's a thing where, you know, I, I just want to empower everyone around me. I have, yeah. uh, 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 and I hate like talking about it in this, but just to, 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 uh, make the point or whatever. Uh, I have, uh, one intern that one guy who interned for me now he's a GA last year was his first year he's uh from Spain I have uh Brandon Lee who's a white man a white male from uh ECU uh from uh, Indiana I have uh two do I have two yeah two uh Caucasian females on my staff I have uh, one Latino female on my staff, and then I have one black female on my staff, We're, and then there's me. So, like I said, we are the whole spectrum, and yeah. it's not to check a box. I empower them all to do so. Mm-hmm. I, I tell them all the time, guys, you probably really don't even need me here. People just like to hear me talk and make jokes, so I'm the director, <laughs> but you you guys pretty much run it by yourselves. That's right. That Well, I think that's really cool, and you and – you, I hope people are listening closely to that because it sounds like if I'm hearing you right, you, you want to be representative of what the world is actually like. You don't need a staff of seven white males, but I, I would even go so far as to say like, not that that is inherently like there's no inherent judgment to any piece of this. Cause what I'm really hearing you say is that you're looking for quality. You're looking for a staff that can run the show with or without you there. And if you can get this combination, which obviously exists of high quality people that are more representative of people, then maybe that's the, maybe that's the special sauce. Maybe that's the right sort of uh, environment and atmosphere to, if nothing else, um, model for the, for the kids. A hundred percent. Like I think that so many times people make the excuse of, uh, uh, I just hire the best people. You know what I mean? To me, that goes under the all lives matter and uh, all that other like BS excuses. Uh, mm-hmm. So to me, like uh, you can you can do it and still hire the best uh, people. 
But if you're if you're if your root is that you want to model for your athletes, then let's show them what the world like. Let's model how the world really is and find the best people in that. It's a little yeah. little harder to search out for those people, right? Because it, it, it we're still minority groups, right? So we're still a smaller percentage. But you can find those people if you invest time in it. Because if I can do it, that means anyone can do it. You sure. know, I haven't been in the industry for forty years. I've been in the industry. Right nine years now right? right this is only my second time being a director uh I, first time being an olympic director and my staffs have always been very diverse even last year my staff was diverse so uh and and inclusive and empowering and equitable mm -hmm. so right. uh the if if i can do this with my limited experience on this side of athletics then anyone should be able to do this but it's just not important to them it's not if well, it's really not important the question becomes, because, you know, and, and I want to make sure that I'm speaking to our entire audience. The, the question becomes, and this is like our age old question. This is like one of our taglines and, and it makes people, I'll tell you, in fact, I'm going to send you a t-shirt. We got this on the back of a t-shirt, but it, it makes people very uncomfortable. It also, if you can adopt it, changes people's lives. Um, the question is, does your behavior match your goal? And it's as simple as that. We call it, it it's just a, it, it, it's called, we call it practical mindfulness. You know, that's the, it's the mantra of practical mindfulness. Does my behavior match my goal? And you try not to judge, but you do just have to own that statement. Um, you don't, there's, you don't have to have an inclusive staff. You don't have to have a diverse staff. You don't have to, you don't even really have to have a high quality staff. You don't have to do any of those things. No. If you decide that that's your aim, then, then there's really only one person that you need to be honest with, and that's yourself, you know, um, there, because there is something to, you know, um, I'm going to be totally honest. My, the strength staff that I work with now is in, in this particular year, and that's partly because we've had some people go on different careers because of the quarantine and stuff like that, um, is not as diverse as I necessarily like it to be. Mm -hmm. The pool that I'm drawing from is not incredibly diverse at this moment in time in this space. But I have to own the question of like, you know, what am I trying to do? And if, and if I make the decision, okay, we're a little, we're, our, the staff is less diverse this year than perhaps it has been in, in years past. And maybe even forget about years past, uh, diverse as it probably could and should be. Mm -hmm. Then I have to own that. And recognition, it's only a recognition, it's not a judgment, it's not an excuse. Recognition, number one, is that geographically, maybe the pool is not as, you know, wide ranging. Okay, so if I, if I make that an explicit goal, then I just have to own the fact, well, okay, I've got to expand the circumference of the pool. I've got to go right. farther. I've got to right. go wider, you know. Right, right, like to replace the, like I, you know, smaller schools, you're going to lose people because you don't have full times. Even even if you add full times, the the you're going to lose I people. There's always turnover, sure. right? So for me, I had, like, I have, I had to, like, I already know who I'm going to hire for what positions I have as far as graduate assistants. And I know what pool I'm going to pick from. I have a list what pool I'm going to pick from for if I lose a, a full-time member. And it, for me, I will always have four women on staff. Like, mm -hmm. and I will, and I can, I, I feel comfortable saying that because it's not four women to check a box. It is four new women to empower, mm -hmm. right? And that's how I look at it. 
Like if a king, you know, a king, there's a prince and there's a king. The king passes, now the prince steps up and he becomes a king, right? That's the way I look at it. So when I lose my my queens, I'm going to replace them with more queens. That's how I look at it. So yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, and it's, it, it, I have to search a year out. Like one of the, one of the, right. one of the ladies is I've been talking to for two years. You know what I mean? One of the ladies uh, uh, is uh, a GA now that I think of, okay, in, in a few years from now, if I have a spot, she would be a great recommendation, a great person for that spot. Let me make sure I keep tabs on her and keep talking to her and keep helping her out with whatever, not just, not just to, to help myself out, it's the right thing to do, right? If someone reaches out to you for help, we'll continue to help them when they reach out for you. But now that's tabbed in my mind of, all right, I've gotten to know this person. This would be a good candidate. You know, thinking dually, not just singular focus. No, that's smart. That's right. And, and that's, uh, you know, you get to that, does your behavior match your goal idea? If your goal is to do accomplish some of the things you're mentioning, then you do have to plan a little more. You know, yeah. You can't, you can't some just, people don't want to do that. Some people don't want to put time in. They just want to. Uh, they just want to. Hey, you know what? These are the people that were recommended to me. Unfortunately, it's not diverse population. I. But you know what? Can I do? Or right. I, I was in a tight squeeze. Well, right. Get yourself. Help yourself out in those squeezes. Why be in a tight squeeze one day? I'm sure. But I'm trying everything I can do to make sure I'm not in that tight squeeze. So by having a huge pool of applicants, that hey. I have a position open, go ahead and apply for it. And knowing that like, okay, well, this applicant went and got this job that I'll probably never get them away from. Now I got to replace the applicant for the right. future, whatever it might be. You're just, I, you're making me think about, you're making me think about my own strategies and I've, and some, yeah. I've got some ideas. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I can help. I'm, I'm glad I can help. It, I mean, just, it, it makes sense. We, because um, I, I think I'm, I, again, I'm just, I'm being totally open and honest. I, I certainly do that. Like I've got eyes on certain people, but we don't pay, you know, like you, like we, we, we we're not going to make you rich yeah. as an assistant on the staff. And, that, and it is what it is. So because of that, there is high turnover, especially with talented people. Um, and I can probably do a better job of trying to look further down the line uh, in anticipation of turnover. Um, and I just have to, that's just something I got to recognize. Um, I look at it like recruiting, like for me, and I, I, I love it. Like it, I always love the aspects of recruiting because it's always been fun to me. Yeah. So like, obviously you start, I mean, for me, like I start recruiting uh, uh, when they're, you know, as early as possible, as early as I can. I have some people uh, that have been, you know, like, for example, Coach uh, Franks, she, she's an intern right now for us. She's going to be a GA next year. I met her two years ago when she was a junior in college. She came to shadow me, and she was right. still playing basketball. And she interned for me, and then she's, I, I, she interned and asked questions and stuff last year, her senior year, and now she's living with me. She's an intern, and we're helping – make sure she's ready for when uh, she steps into that GA role. So like, this has been a, uh, by the time she becomes a full-time GA, it'll be almost three years of recruiting. You know what right. I mean? I mean, so if, this, well, if it, Nick Saban could do it, dang it, I'm going to try and do it. 100%. <laughs> I'm going to copy him. <laughs> they call, they've been calling you a young Nick Saban. Have you heard that? Oh boy. Oh boy. I, if anything, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I nowhere near a young Nick Saban. I, 
I appreciate that, though. Well, I did. To be, I'll be honest. They haven't been calling you that, but now that I just said it, people might. <laughs> that's what. Start. That's what they're gonna call. That's right. <laughs> people I think might they're like a, I think they call me an old Bob Knight. An old Bob Knight. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Two historic people in their own way. Uh, well, yeah. I gotta tell you, it, it doesn't surprise me that you like the recruiting part of it because recruiting, as far as I'm have seen and am concerned is, is all about relationships. And, um, I actually, you mentioned elite FTS earlier. I want to talk more about that later, uh, your involvement and contributions with them. But I, I just, uh, between meetings this morning, read your article on what was it called? It was, um, essentially about how programming didn't, doesn't matter or programming is irrelevant. I think well, people hated that. People, people don't like people that. I, I love the idea. And, and, I, and, and it's funny because, I've, I haven't said that. I haven't said programming is irrelevant. But, but <laughs> the sentiment. I don't I, think anyone has. <laughs> no. But that's, that's how you make it out of the map, man. You, uh, but but the, it was clear to me, though, and, and it's obvious to, I'm sure anyone who's ever talked to you, been around you, that uh, that's like a provocative statement. It, it's, it, I think what you were saying was, and I feel the same way, is once you get to a certain level of programming, once you can get here now it's irrelevant because like right. if you if you don't have a relationship with the people to whom you are trying to distribute the programming if you can't get into their minds and hearts and like and you can't be with them as people then i don't know that you know it's just like being a football coach then the x's and o's don't matter as much they're not running your freaking play anyway they don't care that much right. um but you've mentioned i've been taking notes as we've as we've gone you like you've talked about creating a platform um, in your atmosphere of trust. You've been talking about getting to know people, uh, keeping an eye or an ear out for when their behavior kind of goes off. So you can, you know, ask questions, whatever, is everything good? Um, once you do that, then I think you could administer your programming well, but right. without that, then you, you can be the best freaking programmer on the planet and it, it, it wouldn't matter. And the other thing, like, I think people get so caught up in their, their like, programming, right? Like, these, these not to bash, but I, I will. These sports science, these new age sports scientists, that everything's about the, the machines and the programming and not about the relationships, right? So the, 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 the transitional coaches versus the transformative ones, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that perfect example I'll give you an example. Uh, during this whole COVID thing, you obviously had your body weight programs that everyone was rushing out and people were talking about speed, whatever. I did my body weight programs and the guys that could, uh, you know, I gave a workout, like weight room, they had like stuff at their house to make it happen, right? Sure. And a lot of my athletes, uh, just saw my baseball team alone, you know, my soccer ladies did a really good job at running and that's the nature of the game. No one wants to come out out of shape going sure. into soccer camp. Uh, my baseball guys, they don't want to go into the off season not being strong. So they'll find whatever they can do. So I had a kid, I had a, a one male athlete that uh, uh, he, he came back. He had never, uh, we were doing evaluation sets. So I had something to go off of because I'm pretty sure that 99% of them had trained. So I felt comfortable doing it. I've been with them for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, one of my athletes, didn't max out box box squat with me last year, 540 pound box squatter. I had uh, so many guys PR. It was unbelievable. Wow. I had pitchers PRing on bench press. 
So they have bought in to me mm-hmm. saying we have to bench press and we have to be good at bench pressing. So it's – I don't think the program I sent was the most amazing program in the world. It's during a coronavirus, like during a national right. pandemic right. where – you know what I mean? But they found a way to make things happen because they believed in uh, – believed in me, right? And they believed mm-hmm. in what we do here. And they believed in, in me as a leader, one of their leaders – for their team, right? So, I mean, Coach Hennon is the ultimate leader. He's a great, I learned things from Coach Hennon all the time, the head baseball coach, all the baseball coaches I learned stuff from all the time. But from the weight room standpoint, they the, the athletes believed in me. My my soccer ladies, I mean, they came back and they were doing runs and I don't know who taught them their running technique over coronavirus, but it wasn't me. They looked <laughs> phenomenal. Some of my ladies ran like gazelles, like they're just their running form and, and their gates and just, it just literally like uh, one of my coaches was out there watching and they were like, gosh, dog, this athlete runs like a gazelle. I was like, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so <laughs> like, <laughs> it just shows like they believed in me to help them do what was important to them, right? Running for mm-hmm. them was, for soccer was important. Getting strong in the weight room was important for the baseball guys. And, and, you know, it's uh, it's just buying into, again, buying into the, the person that's administrating the pro administering the program, not just the program, because if, if I was just another guy writing another workout, they might just do whatever and they probably wouldn't, you know, I would assume right. they wouldn't have PR'd and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but, or the ladies would have came back out of shape and they would have been like, oh, we have time to get better, you know, whatever. But like, I mean, I had one soccer lady uh, say, like, they uh, they had missed time or whatever, and I, we didn't have much time to get ready for preseason. And the one soccer lady and me were having a conversation about, like, extra work and all this stuff. And she was like – I was asking, like, how much, of, you know, how much did you specifically do this last week? So I know going into next week, uh, because it was like a week between before where we were starting and all this stuff. And she was like, well, Coach Day, I'll tell you the truth – we didn't do that much this last week. We wanted to take a week off before we got into it with you, but we know that you get us right because we trust you and you always like get us right. And I was like, yeah, oh, well, I'm mad at you, but for taking a week off, but you know, yeah, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> that yeah. may be not be the right train of thought. I'm not like, you know, the, 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 a miracle the, worker. Yeah, but so I'm not the Jesus of strength and conditioning, but I appreciate the compliment. Anyway, that is a so. nice compliment. Absolutely. All right, I, so I got some questions for you because I, I just I, I, I understand I, I'm with you. I, that is that is a, an undeniable truth is that, you know, like. Um, and, and I whenever I say that, I always give this disclaimer disclaimer. Uh, coaches, it doesn't mean you don't have to work on thoughtful programming yet. You got to give it's got to be based in science and, and experience and it's got to be right. But, but like you say, uh, it, it, once it gets to a certain level, it matter. It is just totally secondary to the way that it's administered, how much the kids are listening to you. Um, the technique, the intensity, all those things mm-hmm. are so mm-hmm. much more important than, um, than the programming to a degree. So I, I, I'm on your, to anyone who got on you on Twitter or whatever about that, uh, they, they, they don't matter. It really doesn't no, matter. If, if someone's angry, they're probably going to be angry no matter what you say. Yeah, um, I found that out over the course of this uh, and throughout my activism. Like, it, it doesn't – you just do what's right. You do what you know what's right. And, you know, if you 
you know, from a coaching standpoint, I believe that the way I coach and how I coach my athletes to do the things they do is better than anyone else could do my program. So in my intensity and my uh, attention to detail on how we do our bait, like we keep it basic, but we're going to do the basics better than you will do your complicated stuff. And right. we'll win every time. So I, I'm a hundred I'm, I'm with that a hundred percent. And just to sort of echo the sentiment you said earlier, like, if the coach didn't matter in, in the distribution of programming, then each one of these kids could just Google a strength program. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But they're not, they're not, they're following your program. Cause right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of well. if some coaches in the college atmosphere are just Googling strength programs and setting it sure. up. Well, it, yeah, that could be, that could be <laughs> but he, I mean, even then it's, it's a testament to the distributor, you know, it's like, it, I don't know. Anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Okay. So you brought up activism. This, this has become, I try not to engage people on Twitter too much, but you have to have, I assume you've found that and, and, but I want to hear it from you and hear what your thoughts are. It seems like this is my opinion. So feel free to just say, no, you're an idiot. That's, um, it wouldn't be the first time. Um, I think, we, we have, a, we have a, an operating standard of communication within the Good Athlete Project, and we, get, we talk about it in the workshops and stuff we do. It's called the OCD model. Um, it's called, uh, the, the O stands for optimism. You know, it, it's like, essentially, if we're going to engage, we're going to engage optimistically. It doesn't mean it's not going to be tough. It doesn't mean we're not going to talk about things that might get uncomfortable, but we're optimistic that we're going to get to the back end of this in a better place than where we start. The C is clarify as needed, which is usually, um, it's a, it comes from a place of genuine curiosity. It's like, I, like in, and I, it probably doesn't happen on Twitter a lot. So you see something, instead of calling somebody out for it, which is happens with Twitter all the time, mm-hmm. you, you work to clarify it. What did you mean when you said that? Can you tell me more about this? Because I haven't experienced it, whatever it might be. But it's sort of on us as individuals to clarify as needed, not expect all the answers to be dropped on our doorstep. And I think if you if we do a lot of O and C, remain optimistic and clarify as needed, then D takes care of itself. D is don't talk shit. And we don't always say that. Uh, yeah, you know, if we're yeah. in a high school setting, we may not yeah. say that. But but uh, you know, I, I I challenge people all the time. Like, tell me the last time that you were like talking smack about one of your coworkers or about anything, and and that relationship or that situation got better. You know, it, it, it does. It, it does. It, no way. So, yeah, I mean, have you, when you, whether it's via Twitter or any other uh, method of, of getting your thoughts out to the world, have you recognized that, like, I mean, what are you seeing from people? Are some people just straight up angry? They're not interested in this OCD idea? Like, what have you found? <laughs> so, for me personally, like, the opposition I've gotten has been from, not surprising, but random, uh, uh, sources i guess i would say but you're not you're not surprised when a clown makes you laugh right like one of my assistants used to say that all the time and it's true for this as well uh you expect it so i think that you know i halfway joke when people call me uh uh that people call me a cultist or a communist but that's it's it's true it comes like it has happened uh in in the instance of being uh I called like a communist or whatever it might be. I just tried to educate. I was going to call the person, but then I didn't want that engagement to turn south and then 
uh, on either end. Not that mm-hmm. it would, but it could. So I just yeah. didn't want to put myself in that situation. Wasn't I said? I said, uh, you know, hey, I appreciate your viewpoints. This is where I think it's wrong. If you want to have a deeper conversation, I would love to. They wanted to, and I said, nah, I'm all right. Uh, I don't want this to turn south. And I have no ill will towards the person. Uh, mm-hmm. In the times I've been called a cultist, I've addressed those uh, issues with the person. And uh, a cultist, like, what does that mean? Like, he, like uh, he, someone trying to turn and shape trying to other start a people. cult. I guess oh. so. I don't know. Uh, I guess yeah. if you're a fan of the Black Panthers, it's not very, uh, not taken very uh, uh, positively because of all the misinformation with the Black Panthers. Uh, not that I'm marching the streets with guns in my po- guns on my side because I don't think that would go too well for me. But uh, <laughs> but maybe that girl at Kent State, but not for me. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, I think that I have, though, you know, I engage with I engage with the people that I feel I can engage with. You know, some you can't engage with because it's sure. just going to turn south and it's not immediately. A right. Yep. And then it just leads to other things and it gets so far away from the message you're trying to spread, which for me is it's a lot the togetherness. Right. Uh, so I've engaged with the people I've needed to. Uh, uh, some that I've had prior relationship with, so I felt comfortable engaging with. Uh, and I think that uh, just trying to get them to understand, you know, hey, like this is why uh, certain people, like why uh, black leaders don't speak out, you know? But if, if you are about what you say you are about, and I am about being an activist and being a model for my athletes and, you know, uh, uh, being a servant leader for my athletes. And that means I have, I'm going to serve them no matter how uncomfortable it might be for me at certain instances, uh, you know, as far as pressure put on me from opposition, I, I don't, if I'm doing it for the right reasons, I don't care what the opposition is saying, but Isn't, like, that's the it, whole thing, man. It doesn't matter. So like, for me, like the, 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 there are people that I do engage with and it's very positive. There's people I engage with and there's probably, they won't ever get it. And that's fine. At least I know that I have tried my best to make a change, Mm -hmm. a little, little bit of a change. For example, there's a major company uh, that I won't name that uh, we got, uh, I got like a a gaggle of phone calls uh, from, from different parts of the company and different people within the organization, different people that knew the person that, I had an uh, 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 interaction with, uh, which is why I didn't want to do business with the company anymore. And uh, uh, I, you know, I didn't talk about, I talk, I said, this is the interaction I had five, six years ago. Uh, you know, uh, it hasn't come up until now because you decided to hire this person. Uh, and uh, it was, a, 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 you know, I, I just don't want to do, it could have been, the person could have spilled a drink on me, right? And I didn't like them. And I now you hired them, so I'm not going to do business with you. I'm just telling you I'm not doing business with you. So, but uh, I think it was a, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I had to talk to all these people. And, and in it, I was like, hey, listen, this is what it is. I'm not doing business, but let's talk about uh, social injustice. Let's talk about civil rights. Let's talk about race relations, because this is where the, the issue stems from that I have with this person. And even when that person called me to smooth things over, you know, I mean, it was, hey, you know what? You don't think you said what you said. I know you said what you said because I I was there and I mm. heard it. 
But you know what? I'm willing to look past it and let's talk about these positive things. And we had a lot of positive conversations through all levels of the organization, through the people that they had contact me, through talking with that person who had said the stuff, uh, very positive conversations. And, uh, you know, whether or not that goes anywhere with them in their lives, I hope it would even in the smallest way. Uh, but I've always, I felt good saying that, you know, the cancel culture of canceling people and all that stuff. The way I look at it is you can't have something happen, attack that person and lose and come back without gaining an ally for the movement. So for mm. me, uh, uh, I had a, I had that instance with the person and I could easily have said, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to talk to people in your organization. I don't want to talk to the head of the organization. Uh, screw you guys. I'm done. But instead, yes, I will spend a day talking to all these people and mm -hmm. all the, the people that know this person and that person in general, uh, it, it, just to try and gain more allies towards the movement yeah. that I am trying to support and to gain right. more allies towards us. And I, I haven't talked to them since uh, my phone is open for them if they want to reach out. Uh, sure. And they offered, you know, communication goes both ways. So I could reach out to them too. Of it's course, not only yeah. of them, uh, right. but I, I did feel as if we did take a step forward. Now I still won't do business with them, but I mean, you know, yeah, I didn't do much good. business to begin with them. So it's not really sure. a big deal. And your thoughts are hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. It's, uh, the, this idea of cancel culture goes so counter to our ideals, like in the mm -hmm. project, um, which would include, we're not, you know, in, instead of immediate cancellation, open up communication and really figure stuff out. I wonder what you'd say about this. We see oftentimes, um, we see oftentimes, uh, even when, when terrible things are said, Let's just use that as an example. Mm -hmm. When terrible things are said, that could be coming from a place of, and, and I'm totally dumbing this down, dude. There, there's a, such a range of experiences and motivations here, but it, we think it could come from certainly a place of hate. If you say a hateful thing, it could be coming from a place of hate. And I think a lot of people are recognizing that that's not, that's not gone away completely. That right. still exists. Right. Um, but but there's all this other side where it's like sometimes that comes from a place of ignorance. You know what I mean? People think they're making a joke or people think they just don't understand. Um, and then and then sometimes where we open this conversation, I'm actually, I'm actually I got two. I'm making notes here. I'm going to send you two different articles that we put out recently. Um, one of them was called. And I don't know that this is exactly what the story is about, but it just brings this idea to mind. It was uh, called the role of locker room talk in systemic racism. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially this idea that, like, you know, could there be people out there that are unintentionally perpetuating some of the most terrible things in our environment, um, not because that's their intention. They're just freaking, they're just ignorant. They don't realize how, like, this offhand comment is, is moving this whole snowball forward, you know, this, this avalanche forward. When, uh, you know, it's, it's not as innocent as you think, think, even if it didn't come necessarily uh, person A from a, from a place of hate, it's still perpetuating this sort of machine that definitely has hate in it. And, and that's worth looking at as well. So I, I, I don't know, it, it, that, that jumps out to me because my next thought is how do you start to differentiate between someone who is ignorant and needs to be educated and then brought into the, 
You know, I think that I mean, you bring up a lot of good points. I think there is a difference. I mean, I, at, at, at some point, it's all the same, right? But like, there is a difference in the delivery, right? Some people are just ignorant, and some people don't know, and uh, some people are, are are inherently hateful. But if hate can be taught, then I do believe it can be untaught. And I go to yeah. uh, James Baldwin's point of, you know, I'm I'm not you know an N word. I'm not so. Uh, for it's just a word that was created to put black people down. So if that word is something that you still use, then what you have to look at is why do you use that word? Because I am not that. So Mm. what is wrong with you? So uh, I think that uh, when you have that inherent hate in you, there there's, it comes from a place of insecurity and I think racist, racist and, and oppressive people are in, Inherently insecure, inherently insecure. And there's something wrong with them. Uh, not like, you know, not deeply, uh, I don't want to sure. say I like, know what you, I know no, what you know what I'm saying. saying. There's yeah, something, yeah. there's something wrong. There's something that happened to them. And you have to- If it's not in, based in fact and logic, then it's coming from- from Emotion. Yeah, maybe fear, if it's coming from, right. Fear, emotion, something. Maybe, uh, maybe they're- Mom cheated on their dad with an African American person. Now they are are it messed them up, and they hate all African Americans. Or maybe they got bullied by an African American, or something. There's something that something, put right. them on that way. Or maybe their ignorant parents spread the ignorance to them. Which is again, if it's taught, it can be untaught because I've seen it untaught mm-hmm. uh, from from a hate standpoint. Because I do not believe you're born hating. You're not born with anything. You're a blank slate, right? Uh, and then the ignorance, the locker room talk. It's just something that needs to be addressed and known. Uh, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, obviously, I'm around a lot of very empowered females mm-hmm. now, right? I have a lot of very empowered female athletes. I have athletes that are feminists. I have a bunch of a lot of. I don't think there's anything wrong with feminism. I think you're just just how I am an activist and I am a a I think a powerful black man. Like I believe in myself and my culture. Being a feminist is just. To me, I don't, I don't want to sound ignorant because I don't know fully yet, but I think it's just being an empowered woman that makes you a feminist or some, you know, an advocate of a feminist is someone that wants to empower women. Hmm. I think that would make me a feminist, but like, that's uh, a pretty easy definition to get behind. I think it's a very easy definition to get by, behind. So like, for me, like I've had to been taught the uh, things that I've, I've messed up in on this path. I'm not sure. perfect in it, but I've had to be taught. Right. So like there's things that I've said in college, I will I won't say now, right? There's uh, ways I've saw saw things in college that I wouldn't see the same way now, right? Uh, and again, I'm not uh, uh, Susan B. Anthony by any means, right? Just like I'm not Malcolm X by any means, but I am being taught and learning and open to being taught and learning and corrected. But some people are so insecure, and their insecurities are the root of the problem, the root of the hate, mm. and the root of the issue. Uh, that they aren't open to even learning because if there's a if if I said if you put your head in that water for over five minutes you will drown and die and mm-hmm. that is a fact and you say no I am going to do it no matter what there there is a problem there is a problem right. we have to figure out why you don't believe with that that is a fact if you can believe you would die from drowning why wouldn't you believe that this black person is not a thug or a crook or uh, whatever, just because they're black, right? There's some issue there. There's something wrong because that, what you're saying is not factual. You know what I mean? And the fact that 
maybe for you know for instance uh uh if you see a black person that goes to jail that's different just just assuming every black person's going to go to jail right or just assuming a black person is dangerous there's no factual reasoning behind that if you saw me uh if you saw me out and about people you know tatted i got full arm sleeve whatever you saw me out and about you might think oh like you know i don't know i, I can't think i don't think this way but someone might think oh that guy's a thug but then you sit down with me and you're like oh crap that guy's actually uh the head of a department in a multi-billion dollar industry right mm -hmm. and he's getting a doctorate yeah so there's no facts to back up your your assume you know, your racism you know so right. Well, it's funny that you say uh, it's not funny. I use that word too much. Comedy is not <laughs> what we're talking about. But it, I'm I'm gonna throw something out there. I'm never. I'm thinking through this out loud uh, on a podcast. So we'll see if I get myself in trouble. But here's here's a little bit of my like the human brain. It's an efficiency seeker. It's an efficiency mm -hmm. ma machine. Like this table, the thing that this is on. Once I know and encode what a table is, mm -hmm. I don't have to reinvestigate the table every time. My mm -hmm. brain, I have a concept of a table. I can, I, I'm, in, I'm at this table, I can go to my neighbor's apartment, there's a table over there, and I can mm -hmm. set my mug on it confidently. You know, and I'm not, it's, it's not a worry in that way. Because I've got this locked in concept of what I think a table is. You Stereotypes you, is where you're going. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes, And if I'm talking about a, table that's one thing if i'm talking about a human being we have to see i think two things one is that it's natural like the brain is trying to do it and two is that it's flawed mm -hmm. you know what i mean the, the flaw would be to not reinvestigate every time you met a new human being you know if you think about how silly that would be if you if uh you know the way that people think like okay uh, I see black person. I know what that means. You've got this concept in your head. Could you imagine? Take a different physical trait. Okay, I see someone with who is five uh, eleven. I know what that means. What a ridiculous thing right. to say. Like right. I know. Like I've met five eleven people before. I know what they're like. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's so yeah. it just violates this this logic. It's it so clearly violates logic. And I think. To kind of wrap all this together, this concept of camp cancel culture, what have you done? You, you, you shut yourself off from meeting the next person who's 5'11", who might change the way you think about people, who might break open whatever uh, concept you've got so tightly held in your head. So, again, I'm just thinking through it out loud. No, it, it makes, it bring makes, me it back, makes a lot of sense. You know? And, and, like, and you, I don't, you think like a Harvard man. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying, though, because because as I look at it, it's like the the only thing that can make sure that we don't move forward is to hold real tight to these things that we think are absolutely true. And we say this and all like the only way to guarantee that you're going to be wrong someday is to think right now that you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. like, that's the flaw. And if you're not willing to reexamine and meet people and talk to people and be open to the conversation, you're just going to paint yourself into a corner and guarantee your own wrongness, person A, you know. Um, it's looking at the equation. So, like, for me, uh, have I met racist white people? Yes, I have. Have I met non-racist white people that have helped me where I am at today? 110%. So I can't look at an equation and say, 
uh, everyone's racist because the A does not A plus B, B doesn't equal C. If I've met non-racist people, then I can't say everyone's racist, right? So if I meet uh, if I'm a, a, a Caucasian person, I meet uh, uh, black people that that are great people. Like I can't say every black person is bad. I I can say that there are certain black people that are bad, but not everyone is automatically bad, and I can't assume that. Well, it, totally. It, it, I, I said this even in this coronavirus moment, you know, where where it seems like that's even been politicized. To like, why can't both of these things be true at the same time? Have you, you know, you've have you met people who that that cover the range of between good and bad in mm-hmm. every race, in every height, just to be ridiculous, in every field or every occupation? There are nice lawyers out there. Not every lawyer is a, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah there's great lawyers out there. <laughs> and anyone that wants to come work for me for free, I'll be gladly accepted. Nah, it's, it's, I, I'm going to echo that. We'll immediately put you in the category of good lawyer. But the, like, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's an obvious thing, but it's also a hard thing. You know, because it's so much easier to just hold on to an idea. This is what it's been. This is the way it's always been. This is how I think. Because what does that mean? It means you don't have to do more thinking. And oftentimes more thinking is hard. It's harder than just sitting where you're at. I think people get, I think people associate too much with like, for me, like, all right, there's good. The first layer would be there's good people. There's bad people. Let's figure that out. Right now. Then after you get to the good people, like separate good and bad. Now, the thing that we aren't, aren't trying to dive into is, we're too uncomfortable learning other people's cultures, right? Everyone mm-hmm. is either good or bad, right? You're either a good person or you're a bad person. Or you're, I guess, somewhere in the middle. But I guess if you're, you do, if you kill people sometimes, you're still a bad person, right? Yeah. yeah so, like, uh, inalienable. Yeah. 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 So, so just for the simplicity, just to make this simple, there's good and yeah. bad people. All right. Once you get past that, now learn cultures, right? So there's no more, this person is bad because they're, uh, uh, of the black culture, the white culture, whatever. No, now I'm just learning the cultures. I know that there's good people and bad people in the world, mm-hmm. but there are separate cultures for every type of person. Because to say, uh, you know, when people say, ah, we're, we're all the same, we're all the same. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. You know, I, I promise you we're not because if we were, I wouldn't feel the way I feel every day versus how I assume a, a white person feels or a Latino person. Or you, we're all different cultures, but That's we fair. are either good or bad people. We can all agree on that. We're either good yeah. or bad people. The cultures are different. So learn all the cultures. So you are now comfortable operating in all cultures. Someone said this to me once, uh, and it, it was it was kind of a weird light bulb moment. I didn't really know where to go with it. I still don't know how to take it. Someone, but it goes with my point of learning cultures. Uh, there was an older black man that obviously didn't understand white culture too much. Uh, not that I am an expert in it uh, by any means. So. He had told, he's like, you know, what, what color is your wife? And I go, oh, she's white. And he's like, oh, so you understand how to talk to white people. And I still don't know how to take that. But I guess, like, if you don't understand cultures, then you get this, uh, oh, I don't know how to talk to white people. Just as you could turn around and say, I don't know how to talk to black people. For me, I talk to all people, but I like to talk about anything all the time. So it's not right, hard for you're me. You're a talker. Right. I'm a talker and thinker. So, but, I, you know, in dealing with multiple sport cultures, I can go – work with women's soccer and understand the nuances of their sport and the culture of that sport. Baseball, yeah. they're their own little breed and culture and they're all weird. True. Uh, so uh, football, the football culture. But if you don't understand 
the cultures, then it's hard for you to, to not just learn, but like kind of operate within them. You know what I mean? You yeah. become a, uh, you, you stop becoming a human being. You just become a stranger kind of just floating through life, I guess. And it totally. And, and then you run the risk of misinterpreting and all of a sudden you're assigning values, the good and bad values to things that are just, are, are might be just cult cultural differences. So if you're not constantly right. seeking to understand, you run the risk of being wrong. Dude, I, I really appreciate this. You are obviously a talker uh, and, and I am too. And I feel like we could talk all day, which is, which is good, but uh, dangerous for a podcast. Um, <laughs> we, we get, only if like, you're worried about getting fired. I said <laughs> only if you're worried about getting fired. Not at all, dude. I, I feel like we haven't, we're not saying anything like, I don't think we've said a thing that's controversial. You know what I'm saying? That's what I've thought before. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. We're fair enough. There are people that will sort of deliberately they'll create controversy. Um, they might pick and choose what they want to hear. But anyway, I can't do much for those people if that's the way they're going to be. So that's I got how I two. Feel about it. That's that's it. I got two final questions for you, and these can be short answers, very short answers. But but I am I'm interested in them, uh, and I bet a lot of other people in the strength realm would be too. There are two things I wanted to talk about. The first is uh, pitchers bench pressing, mm -hmm. just identifying stigmas, whatever. I've got my own thoughts there, but like, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And the second is how to work the posterior chain from home without a ton of equipment. Okay. All right. The first one's easy. Uh, there's, I, I don't have the name of the article or who wrote it, but there's a peer reviewed scientific article about pitchers bench pressing, right? So for whatever reason, I think baseball sometimes is one of those old sports that like are old. They're very, very, uh, uh, how, not, you know, when you believe in voodoo and stuff, what's it called? They're very superstitious. Uh, superstitious. They're very, very superstitious, right? They are. So, uh, all it takes is one hall of famer saying, I don't believe in bench press. To no one bench presses, right? So they haven't bench pressed because they think it's bad for them. So no one bench presses. Now the new wave of, well, if you want to build power in your upper body, you've probably bench pressed. And someone tracked that and they showed that the increase in bench press max has a direct correlation to the velocity of your pitches. So once they heard that, oh, velocity, velocity goes up because of bench press, everyone bench presses, right? Right, right. Uh, still some people that don't believe in it i don't believe i would never regularly bench press a pitcher if uh, but since i do know the powerlifting technique i will bench press them that way and we always use a board or some type of stoppage hmm. uh we'll usually use the elite fts shoulder saver it, i'm not trying to name brand drop i don't no, get right. it yeah but like that's just what we have so yeah. uh if we did before that we use boards we use two we use the two board uh, but the shorter savers like a two board. So all it is, is, you know, I, I want to cut up, like turn off the scap, right. Engage the back, all that kind of stuff and use the full body to bench press it. Right. I'm trying to save the shoulders a little bit and take it out of the shoulders when we bench press and we'll bench press heavy, we'll bench press heavy with chains. Some of my pitchers bench 275 with chains on, uh, hmm. not chain weight. And it's literally chain weight plus the 275, not right. 275, put together with the chain weight and uh, we had great success in the 16 games that we played. So uh, I, I don't know if correlation causation uh, matches, but the coaches uh, did tell me that the, the velocities were the highest they'd seen in a long time. Right. Uh, 
when we started doing uh, a lot more conjugate with the guys, they said the exit velos for the hitters were the highest they'd seen in the mm. coaches' 23 years of being here at Georgia Southern. So, Colin say correlation, causation are the same, but you know, if I'm patting myself on the back on one thing, it'd be this. Take but, it, uh, say it was correlation and the performance went up because it went up, but nobody got hurt, right? No one got hurt. We had so no shoulder that's, issues. And that's the fear, right? Yeah, we now we roll a lot. We row like a row is almost a main exercise, but we row so much. But anyway, uh, you know, if you can teach bench press the right way, then I've seen nothing but positives from it. Right? We yeah. had no shoulder issues. Uh, guys weren't blowing out their shoulders, blowing out their arms, as everyone likes to say. And you know, yes, we 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 reduce range of motion on the bench press. But then we'll do an offset bench press where the scap moves through a full range of motion with uh, with dumbbells, and we go heavy on those. We'll go to like fives, fours, and you know just hey, what you can get for four or five reps, and just build strength through the full mo- full range of motion with the scap and the rotator t- cuff. But you know, I think to say you shouldn't bench press pitchers is asinine. If you if you think that, then maybe you shouldn't bench press pitchers. But here right. we've had very good success bench pressing our pitchers. So. Well, am I right to think also that this is it's it's almost so obvious it's boring to hear, but it's like it's the implementation. It's like mm-hmm. it, it bench pressing is bad for your shoulders in the same way squatting is bad for your knees. Well, bad squatting might it's you know maybe, yeah. but like uh, but if you do it well, it certainly should not be. Or but. people with box squats. People say, oh, you shouldn't box squat because it you know it hurts the low back. Well, if you bounce on the box and you get loose and then try to re-engage your back as you're moving up. Yeah. That probably isn't good for your low back or if you, you know what I mean? But the way we teach box squat, it's very good. And we sit back so far, the patella is not getting any pressure on it. So it's, it's fine with the knees. It just, not that I think squatting either way is bad for the knees. I think an unhealthy knee, either way you go is going to be hurt. Like for me, sometimes my knee hurts a little bit, but I have a, a ruptured or something, patella tendon that has always been that way so yeah you know i if yeah. you can implement it good then there's not a bad exercise there's only right. bad right fair enough um all right and then the final question posterior chain from home that has been my biggest challenge um and i'll tell like i i i want people to sprint you know like i yeah. think that's one yeah. way to hit it right but yeah. that's sometimes that's hard to convince people of so what are some like the at-home hacks that you guys would would try to put together i mean if you had bands that's one thing but not everyone has bands but access to bands is very cheap you know i mean you can do good mornings all that you can do almost anything with a band uh you can pick up literally you know i think the posterior chain starts at the low back so uh any kind of isometric uh holds you can do you know depending on where you would be or whatever you know, if you don't have a glute ham raise, like you could use the edge of a couch and kind of lean up and just do holds, right? Low back holds, a 45 degree angle holds. If you put your feet in the couch and kind of just come up, it's mm-hmm. almost the exact same as using a, a glute ham and doing a low back holds. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Nordic hamstrings, you can do almost anywhere. If you have a partner, they right. can hold your feet, right? So, or you put your feet underneath the couch. You know what I mean? Uh and you again, you can RDL almost anything. You just got to be able to hold it and do an RDL with it. So I'd say it is as inventive as you want to get. 
And even if it's a chair that you're doing RDLs with, just put tempo on it, right? Do eccentrics. Right. So that would be my advice. Or I, fill a book bag up with books, heavy books, and put tempo on it. Uh, I, I totally agree. And, and actually, and I'm glad to hear you say that because that's the stuff that we tried to do. It's funny, like how much of the things that we've talked today, talked about today and everything, it requires uh, openness to the conversation, having conversation, increasing understanding, all that kind of stuff. That's just an approach on life. Thought, kind of. being a thinker, not yeah, being yeah. an idiot. That's not being an <laughs> idiot. That should be the title of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be an idiot. idiot. That's, there's yeah. only one way to fail here. But that, that's right. That's uh, one of one of my guys. Uh, in fact, Alex, the, the, our podcast editor, he's also a, a strength coach on uh, Arlington Heights. And uh, he made the comment as we were kind of strategizing. He's like, well, gravity, gravity didn't go anywhere in this at-home home training. So, like, when you say, like, pick anything up to RDL with, yeah, pick anything up. And then, yeah. and then the, the other part that I was alluding to with the understanding is, uh, varying the muscle contractions is, is what we've been trying to do. Isometrics, mm-hmm. um, eccentrics. Um, and so many uh, people don't do eccentrics and isometrics in, in, in the, the, the yeah. strength and conditioning atmosphere, right? Like obviously right. you're, you're a uh, uh, Billy badass uh, uh, bodybuilder on the weekend warrior at Gold's gym will always do it. But yeah, most people, when they're training athletes, they always forget eccentrics and isometrics. It's yeah. very important. Right. And we, uh, so that's something sometimes for a few of our teams, we had to sort of educate from afar in the spring just to tell them what we were talking about, but mm-hmm. that's what we used to. Okay. So that's, that's, those, those are my last two sort of nuts and bolts questions. All right. Here's, here's where I'm at. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I do. I, I feel like if I didn't have to go to this appointment, I feel like we could keep talking. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I just, I just like it. I, I I'm, I'm going to keep following you on Twitter and see what you're up to. Uh, I, I wish the best for your teams in what's going to be a really I appreciate it. If you're ever in the Georgia area, stop by. I have one question for you. Go for it. How do I get a hat and t-shirt like that? Uh, you just ask and we send it to you. Well, you would send me one? For, for appearing on a podcast? Yeah. Give me your, uh, t- okay, I'm going to stop recording so I can get your, <laughs> so I can get your uh, address, but let me, so let me just give you the, the outro. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm grateful for all you're doing, all the influence you're having on kids. And, and if we can ever do anything to support, let us know. But happy to have you on, man. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, anytime I get to come up and talk and brag on my athletes and, and talk about different activism, things that uh, we can all do, uh, it's always a pleasure. So just trying to keep fighting the good fight and being a voice for the people that don't have one. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You restaurant group they do holiday cards they do wedding cards they help you they help you not only celebrate special occasions but make them that much more special and like i said if you are a small business owner or a large business owner 
they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.